kids through youth. Y'all can head down to Kids Barn, enjoy it, don't break anything, have a good time. So. <laughs> and don't bite anybody. That's yeah. You could never be too specific. Well, good evening. How we doing? Belly tappy? Good. It's always good to be here on a Wednesday night. It's just, it's a different feel, isn't it? It's a family feel. And so, really thankful to be here with you all this evening. Uh, we're going to spend all of our time, essentially, in John chapter 4 tonight. If you want to go ahead and get your Bibles out. And there's a theme for the night that I'm going to go ahead and share with you. It's just very simply this. God loves to work in the biggest messes. And it's not just that he loves to work on the messes, and it's not just that he's willing to work in the messes, it's that he loves to work in the biggest messes. And maybe you're like me, sometimes my default is, you know, I pray as if, you know, God's kind of distant from me, and maybe he can help me with this thing. Maybe he'll kind of throw me a bone, you know, every now and then. But there's this disconnect in my mind of he can help me with the mess, but I don't necessarily feel like he's in it with me. Anybody else? So tonight we're going to read a story that, if that is your perception, John chapter 4 pretty much squashes that notion altogether. So we're going to process through a story that I think just really illustrates the heart of Jesus. So Jesus um, starts, the, the story starts with Jesus going through Samaria with his disciples. And this is already significant because Jews didn't do that. They would go around Samaria because they did not get along with the Samaritans. So instead of even traveling through, they'd take a longer route to avoid the place altogether. But Jesus goes through Samaria, and not only does he go through Samaria, but he actually engages a Samaritan there. And not only does he engage a Samaritan there, he engages a Samaritan woman there, which the Jewish culture at times didn't think all that highly of women. So not only is this a woman, but it's a Samaritan woman. And not only is this a Samaritan woman, but this is a Samaritan woman who has been outcast from her culture. The scripture says that she's had five husbands, and there's some deep brokenness, if not sin habits, present in this woman's life. And Jesus goes to Jacob's well and meets this woman there. We'll start in verse 6. It says this, it says, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. And we're going to stop there. We're going to just kind of stop and go, stop and go tonight. Uh, two quick points that I'd like to make. One is it's not insignificant that Jesus was tired from the journey. This tells us a lot about the character of Jesus that Sure, he could have waited another day and been a little bit more rested to encounter this woman, but he continued to travel because, again, he wants to meet people in their messes. So he was tired from the journey to meet this woman. The second point I want to make is 
the point about it being noon. Now, this is, this is crucial because it was customary in that time that the women would get together first thing in the morning at the coolest part of the day, and they, it would be kind of a community event. They would you know, go draw water together, and then they'd come back. And I don't know if any of you have ever been to the Middle East, but to, to go at noon is a, a pretty hot time, right? So she goes on her own at noon to draw water, and this tells us something. This tells us that she went by herself at a time when nobody else went to draw water, which tells us she's been outcasted. She's not living in community at this time, and we'll see why here in just a minute. Verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and livestock? All right, let's stop right here. So one of, this is one of the things I love about the heart of Jesus, okay? Not only is she stuck deep in whatever these issues are, but now she has the audacity to sass Jesus. All right, he's met her there despite her sin, and now she's questioning him. And yet he still had to meet her there. Verse 13. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Let's stop right here. Now, this is so important. We can't miss this. A lot of people will stop right here. They'll say, all right, she said the words. She chose Jesus. All right, let's get her information. We will get her baptized. We will you know, write her name down. We'll share it on social media. We got another one. This is great. There's a lot of momentum and all that. But Jesus doesn't want to settle for a decision. He doesn't want to settle for a cool new way to drink water. He wants to get in the deep, darkest parts of her life. Doesn't settle. See, what Jesus is after is radical life transformation. He doesn't want to get her just this, you know, hey, you don't have to come. I'll make your life more convenient here. I'll get you this cool new water. No, he wants to get into the deep dive stuff, to get into the mess, to work on the things that have her ashamed. Because look at what it says right here. It says uh, she wants this so that she won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. See, she has real embarrassment. Real shame. She's coming at the hottest time because she thinks she'll encounter the least amount of people. And she's saying, God, if, if, you can just, if you can just make it to where I don't have to see anybody and they don't have to see me in my shame, that'll be good enough. But 
It's not good enough for Jesus. He wants to give her real living water. The question I have for us tonight is, what are you carrying in here tonight that you'd rather keep in the dark and hide it away from everyone else when Jesus wants to get in there and go to work in it? See, Jesus cannot settle. It's not in his DNA. He cannot settle for hiding something. He can't settle for putting a blanket over the mess or kicking it into the closet because it would still be there. He wants to work in it. And this is where the story gets real good. He says, okay, you want living water? Verse 16, he told her, go call your husband and come back. She said, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. So he says, you want living water? Okay, go call your husband. Now, think about this. It, doesn't this seem kind of mean from Jesus? Like, are you serious, Jesus? You went there? The, the deepest, most hurtful place that you could go, you went there? Again, God wants to get to the deepest, darkest, most difficult parts of your life. He doesn't want to just throw a blanket over it kick it in the closet because you can cover it up if you want to but it's still going to be there so instead Jesus says let me get into the wound into the brokenness because that's where he wants to be he wants to restore her soul and see he already knows about everything and yet he's still there offering her this living water. And he's offering you this living water too. Verse 19. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. <laughs> That's a good observation. I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Now, do you see this deflection here? Right? She doesn't fully grasp the magnitude of what he's offering her, so she deflects here. She says, surely it can't be true that you're offering me what exactly you said, these living waters that well up to eternal life, so tell me what I really need to do. I mean, I, I know that there's something to you, like you've got to be a prophet or someone who's really close to God, so... You know, I, I know that, you know, I can depend on you telling me what really is next. But she doesn't understand. She's missed it. But don't we do the same thing? We'll say, God, I, I can't really ac accept that you really just love me right where I'm at in the deepest, darkest places. So really, just tell me what I need to do to get in good with you. Tell me how many times I'm supposed to go to church per month, you know, to kind of be at the top. Tell me how often I need to listen to Christmas music. Tell me how many cuss words I can say, you know, that it's still okay, you know. How, what is it that I can do to get in good with you? But again, Jesus is after so much more than that. See, we can modify some behaviors for Jesus sometimes, and that's really easy to do 
but we don't want to expose the wounds. We don't want to get into the deepest, darkest places. Why? Because if we expose that wound, it's vulnerable, isn't it? It could be vulnerable. And we have to trust that Jesus is actually going to show up and do what he says he wants to do. Again, he loves to be in the biggest messes in our lives. Can we trust that tonight? Do we believe that tonight? He wants to be there. and He wants to help you. No matter what it is. Could be, I'll just go ahead and name a few things. Could be a porn addiction. You think, man, I can't expose that because it's just so, man, it's just such a big deal. I can't even expose that. That's where he wants to be with you. Will you just say yes? Or maybe it's your pride, like it has been for me in my life, of not being able to affirm other people because I just want everybody to think, you know, that I'm really something. Man, expose it. Give it to him. Or maybe there are traumas in your life, or there's sickness, or there's health issues, or things, and you're just bogged down by it. You've got anxiety and worry, and it's just really weighing on you. Man, give those things to him tonight and watch what he does. See, he wants this living water for us that refreshes our souls. And sometimes we'll say, sure, Jesus, give me that living water, but I don't want to expose that thing. But we've got to do that so that he can go to work where he wants to be. Verse 21. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Now check this. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in the truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So l listen to what he's saying. He's saying, this is now for you a Samaritan woman stuck in deep, dark sin or brokenness, the time has come, this is for you too. Verse 24, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I am. The one speaking to you, I am he. You know who gets the first declaration in the book of John that Jesus is the Messiah? It's not the high priest. It's not the Roman emperor. It's this completely broken Samaritan woman who has to get water midday. That's the first one. And this is a staggering mercy that's been given to her. And if it's been given to her, it's been given to you, too. Do we realize that this morning, you're not too far for God to work in you. Not too far for God to work in you. Man, if we could just get that. That you are not too far for God to work in you. Let's look at a response. Verse 28. This may be my favorite three verses in all the scriptures it says this then leaving her water jar the woman went back to the town and said to the people come see a man who told me everything I ever did 
could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. So she comes to get water, and then she doesn't even bring her water back with her. And this is just my opinion, but I think that she's been so liberated in this moment that she doesn't even think about her water. She just has to get back in excitement and tell everybody about this encounter that she's had with Jesus. And I imagine that she's running back, and I imagine that she hasn't run in a while. You know, when you're so beat down by life and in your brokenness or your sin habits and you just become lethargic and all that, I'd imagine that maybe this is the first time in a while she's actually run. And she says, I got to go back and tell everybody about this encounter. And they're the same people who outcast her in the first place. And, he's, and she says, I, I don't care. I'm free from the shame. I'm free from the embarrassment. And I'm, I'm free from the perception of others. I've encountered Jesus, and I just got to go back and tell them about it. That's been her experience. It's a wonderful thing because she's free. She's finally free. Man, maybe you're here today and you're, you're trying to find freedom in lots of different places. Man, freedom is only found in Christ. Ultimate freedom is found in Christ. I got a friend, uh, one of my best friends, his, uh, one of his best friends is in prison. Uh, he has been for about seven years. And a month after he got in prison, somebody gave their testimony to him. He encountered Jesus, and he gave his life to Jesus. He said, man, I am more free now than I ever was before I was in jail. He knows Christ. Freedom is found in Christ. Have you encountered Jesus in a way that has allowed you so much liberation that you just got to pick up the phone or something and say, man, I got to tell you about this Jesus and what he's doing in my life. She tells him, she says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. He, he came, I encountered him, and he was, he was tired because he had to come and see me. And he told me everything I ever did, and he said, I'm still here, and this living water is available to you as well. Man, she just runs back. She's got to tell everybody. See, when we realize that God loves to work in our biggest messes, man, this changes everything for us. We start running to him. We start exposing that thing. We say, Jesus, this is where you are. Then, man, I'm going to let you go to work in my life. I'd imagine that, um, and this is, you know, I just, I imagine things. It may not be true, but I just imagine things sometimes. Um, after this encounter with Jesus, I'd imagine that years and years and years go by, and she's continuing to be remade in this encounter with Jesus, and she starts to invest in the lives of, of other young girls that maybe are, you know, having the same crossroads and that sort of thing, um, and she encounters this girl that, you know, specifically kind of reminds her of her time. You know, she's starting to find affirmation in certain things, and she starts to pursue her heart, and she takes her out to lunch, and she spends so much time with her, and she's not seeing a whole lot happen, and 
you know, the girl just finally reaches out to her and says, why, why do you spend so much time with me? Why do, you, why do you continue to ask me to lunch? I'm not that great. I'm a mess. To which the woman at the well would reply, because that's where Jesus met me. In my mess. And that's exactly where he wants to be. And I'll be there too. What would it look like for us to be a people who love to be with others in their messes because Jesus met us in ours? What would it look like for us to just run and share with others our encounters with Jesus and say, he told me everything I ever did, and yet he said, I'm still here, and I'll be here again and again and again and again. Expose that wound, because that's where Jesus wants to be. We're going to pray here in just a second, and then there's a scripture I'd like to, to read, and then we'll get into worship. Um, during this time of worship, if there's something that you need to expose, oh, you will not regret it. I've told you my story about my pride in 2016 and my panic, and when I finally exposed that wound, freedom was on the other side. Not to say it won't still be challenging, but freedom is on the other side, just like it was for this woman. The freedom that says, I'm going to drop my water jar. I've made all my decisions based on when I don't have to see anybody. And then encounters Jesus and then says, I'm going to run back and tell everybody about Jesus. That's the power of an encounter with Jesus. So tonight, if you need to expose some things, man, tonight's a great time to do it. Expose it to somebody you trust. Come to the altar. Expose it. And watch what he does for you in your life. Y'all, we all got stuff going on. Man, I saw this prayer list. We've got stuff going on. Expose that wound. And freedom is on the other side. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. I mean, you just... The, the radical way that you just counterculturally you send shockwaves through the system and you say, I'm going to pursue that one. The one that everybody has casted off, that has said, you're not worth anything, you're not good enough, that, that that's the person that gets the first declaration of you being the Messiah. Father, I pray that if there are things in our lives where we have kind of put like boundaries on what you can do in our lives, that that you'll just reveal those things to us, help us to see those things clearly, and then remove those boundaries so that you can go to work in our mess. Father, help us to be a people that, that freely expose those things, that allow you to get into the deepest things so that you can provide life, so that you can provide these streams of living water that only, only you provide. So, Father, remake us in those truths here tonight during this time of worship. I pray that you'll just speak to us. Holy Spirit, saturate this environment. Help us to know you in a more full way tonight. Father, all we can do is just praise your name for what you've done, for who you are. There's power in your name. Father, we love you a whole lot. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we enter worship, I just want to read from Revelation chapter 7. This is a
prophecy regarding the time after all tribulation is over. Start in verse 15. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Jesus is making all things new here on earth now in our biggest messes. But we anticipate with great hope the day when he removes every mess and it's just us and him forever. Let's worship.